We're talking about thriving with truth. We're looking at our articles of faith and seeing what the scripture has to say about them. Got to understand that doctrine is not meant to be dead. It's meant to be lived. And so when we see what is true, there's always going to be an application for us to come out of. Today we're going to talk about the doctrine of the church. And here's, here's what our articles of faith say. We believe that a New Testament church consists of the redeemed and called out people of God and is the body of Christ. The universal church is made up of all believers in all places at all times existing under the headship of Christ. The local church is a unique community of baptized believers who have entered into covenant with one another in their shared faith to live on mission to make known the gospel of Jesus Christ. The local church has been entrusted by the risen Christ with the mission of taking the gospel to all the people of the world. Each local church is to be faithful to gather for worship, teaching, fellowship, service, and disciple-making. In the pursuit of that mission, a local church is free to cooperate with like-minded churches, associations, and great commission ministries. The biblical offices of the church are elder pastor and deacon. When you think about the church and you hear that word church, there, there's a lot of things that, that might come to your mind. There, there are a lot of uh, different ideas about the church. Of course, the scripture gives us lots of metaphors. We're going to look at a few of those today. The word church is sort of like the word football. Now, when you hear the word football, uh, different people have different images that come to mind. Now, most of the world, when they say football, of course, they say it wrong. They say football. When they say football, a lot of people think of this kind of ball, right? Football. You can't touch it with your hands. You can use your head, use your feet most of the time. Football makes sense. But when I hear the word football, I think of this kind of ball, which you only kick it every now and then. I don't know why they call it football, but you mostly hold it. You don't want to drop it. But, but even in this, you know, you have different kinds. You know, you got, now you got flag football. You got eight-man football. You got 11-man football. You got... You know, you got full contact, you got tackle, you got all kinds of different ideas about what is football. And, and so it is with the church. So when, when we think about church, we think about all that's, that's out there in the world right now, Catholic and Protestant. When within Protestant, you have mainline denominations, you have interdenominational uh, church, non-denominational churches. You have uh, churches like ours that are autonomous churches that choose to affiliate within a denomination. Uh, then you, you have liberal churches, you have biblical churches, uh, liberal churches that have abandoned biblical authority, biblical uh, churches that hold to biblical authority. What is Living Hope? Living Hope is a biblical autonomous church that affiliates with the Southern Baptist Convention. Our affiliation uh, is, is both doctrinal and missional. When we think about the Southern Baptist Convention, we're talking about a shared doctrine, so there's the Baptist faith and message written in 2000 that we hold to. Unfortunately, there are some large churches that have abandoned that uh, statement of faith in the last two weeks. People that we've quoted and leaned on, that's why I continue to hold the policy. I'm only going to quote dead people. You know, I'll be honest with you, I was, <laughs> I was laughing with the elders the other night because I was listening to Tony Evans and uh, what I preached on last week, actually it was, it was Monday, Monday uh, or Tuesday when I was running, I was listening to Tony Evans, what he had preached on Sunday, it was very similar to what I had preached. And uh, he was in Romans 1 and he started saying some things that, that were not jiving with my mind. And sometimes he'll do that, he'll kind of set you up and then knock you down. And so, you know, I'll usually run about a nine-minute mile. I was running about a five-minute mile as I was listening to Tony 
Blood pressure was shooting up, but he, he came around as, thank God, he, I pray that he will stay with Scripture. And so as a, as a denomination, the Southern Baptists, we have a Baptist faith and message. And then we have these associations, uh, these practical missional agencies with seminaries and the North American Mission Board, where I served on, on board for many years, the International Mission Board, which our sweet sister will soon be uh, doing that. And we'll be, uh, uh, Mercedes will be commissioned for that uh, sometime this summer. But ultimately, Living Hope is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is our head. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to honor his great name. Now, today we're going to look at a portion of God's word that explains Jesus's church. Living Hope is Jesus's church. It's a family, a family of disciples who gather for worship and then scatter to live out the gospel and and to share share the hope that we have to, to, to speak to what God can do. He can rescue lost sinners and he can extend the borders of of his kingdom. And so we're going to go to 1 Timothy. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Emily Benningfield is going to read for us today. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Oh my goodness, she is cute. Good grief. So sweet. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. We're in 1 Timothy 3, and we're going to begin, we're going to be in verses 14 through 16. Emily, go ahead and read that for us. I hope to come to you soon. But I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Good job, Emily. Let's hear it for Emily. So cute. I want to put her in my pocket and take her with me. So what's going on here? All right. Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy and he told Timothy, look, there are, some, there are doctrinal errors that I want you to deal with, and I don't want you to be, I don't want you to be soft about it. I, I don't want you to come, I'm young, who am I to say? He said, I, I want you to deal with this head on, and, and I want you to work with these elders, and, and I want you guys to get things straight. Now, Paul had intended to, to come back to Ephesus. Now, he's writing to Timothy, who is pastoring Ephesus at this point. And he says, now, until I get there, you guys have got to stay after it. Stay after what it is to be a church. And and he speaks uh, not only to the importance of of how the church organizes itself and how the church thinks about itself, but he speaks to Christian behavior. You know, how it is a a church is to live and and what a church is is to do. Jesus expects us to be the church every Sunday morning. The first thing you hear me say, what do I say every Sunday morning? What's the first thing out of my mouth? Can you say it with me? Thank you for bringing. The church is the people. It's not a building. The church is the people. The people of God redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And we gather for worship as commanded. And and when we gather, we praise his name. We pray together and we respond to the preaching of his word. 
Now, today what we're going to do is we're going to hear what Jesus says in his word through, through uh, the, this scripture about what it means to be the church. Three crucial aspects of church life we need to understand and live. So take note. Here's the first one. The truth is, the church is living for Christ, living for Christ on mission. Paul wrote to Timothy, I hope to come to you soon. But I am writing these things to you so that if I delay. So he, he's thinking I may not be, be there. I may not even get there. Until I get there, keep doing what God has commanded us to do and keep being what God has commanded us to be. We believe that he was in the midst of a mission trip. We believe that he had been, ta- he had been allowed out of prison and he was taking the gospel to places. He was strengthening the churches, but he was living on mission and that the church at Ephesus, here's what they were doing. They were supporting him financially. They were supporting him prayerfully. They were seeking to to give him emotional strength. And and that's what we do here at Living Hope. We are so blessed. We are so blessed because we have partners around the world. We we heard from the Judds this morning to a family on mission for God and and, and safe delivery of, of baby that they could not name until she said she saw the baby. So we'll get the name later. But here, here we are separated by an ocean in a completely different mission field. And yet we, we pray for them. We've spoken to them this morning. We've encouraged them. We'll continue to do that. We have new partners that, that we'll be sharing with you, uh, works that are going on in new places. We've we had some partners that have made changes, and that's what happens in, in our world, but we're always willing and ready as God's family to support them financially, to pray for them, and that's, that's so important that you're praying the prayer focus every week because you're going to, on every Monday, be given one of our partners to pray for, and they need to feel our prayer. And you need to contact them if you know them. Hey, we prayed for you today. Here's exactly what we prayed for you. How can I pray for you? Direct message them, contact them, let them know and encourage their hearts emotionally. And and through the SBC, we have this wonderful strength of, of, of organization. Now, Ephesus was doing not only that, but but they had been faithful to spread the gospel in their area. It says in Acts chapter 19, verse 10. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Most, if not all, of their region had heard the gospel. I'm very excited about what we're going to be doing at Scottsville Road because it's going to give us a broader footprint in our community. And we're going to be able to go down that road and begin to look in that direction. And we already have them worshiping. If you're interested in knowing a little bit more about that, just go to a worship gathering. They're right now meeting in the student center at 11 a.m. Come September, they'll be meeting on Scottsville Road. We are, I believe, in the next couple of weeks going to be beginning to update the facility to get it ready for the work that God's calling us to do in that, that beautiful, wonderful space and that great location. And it's exciting because God is going to expand his kingdom. The gospel is going to go forth in a more powerful way through personal relationships and through ways of doing ministry that, that Will is, is bringing to us. Each one of us, wherever we are, we have the responsibility to fulfill our mission. What's our mission? Can you say it with me? We, we say it a lot, but I think sometimes y'all see this stuff up on the screen and you just, you kind of go blank. I, I, I know this, this isn't going to tickle my ears. So I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's just what you do. I'm just, uh, so what is our, what is our mission to impact our, our, and with the 
Amen. That's what we do every day. I believe this summer is going to provide some great opportunities for us. As things are opening up, as you're going to be able to, again, have conversations with family and friends around tables, at meals, lingering at the fence, talking. Listen, we need to be ready to share three circles because here's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear a lot about brokenness. You're going to hear a lot about emotional pain and challenges and losses. There have been losses in the people that are around you that that you haven't yet heard the full story yet. You heard about it maybe, but you don't know the story. You need to listen to that story. You need to share your stories. And in it all, share three circles. Please share three circles. Let let people know this this world is not the one God designed. Sin has entered the world and with that brokenness. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ has come and the gospel is true and we can repent and believe the gospel and we can pursue and recover God's design. Friends, we must share the gospel. We must love our neighbors. We must encourage them with hope and be ready to always be ready. I'm gonna ask God to bless us to do that. Let's pray for that right now. Lord God, we, we wanna be a faithful people. We've been praying for an awakening. We pray for revival. Holy Spirit, please make us Make us to be obedient to your word. Make us, make us to be disciple makers and to share the hope we have and make the impact you've called us to. We promise we'll give you the praise, but please do this for your glory. Bless us to make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Second thing to note is this. The truth is, the truth is the church is living as Christ. The truth is the church is living as Christ with purpose picking up in the middle there of verse 15 you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God now I want you to I want you to see these three uh three in particular the household of God which is the church of the living God and then look a pillar and buttress of truth so we're Christ's representatives on earth and and this verse gives us three ways three metaphors that, that we are to to think about ourselves within to fulfill God's purpose. So think about, think about us, living hope. What are we? Living hope is the household of God. This is a family metaphor. We are to understand ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, there are 59 one another scriptures in, in the Bible that command the church how we are to function and respond to one another. And we need to keep every one of those commands. And if we did, Oh, what a difference it would make. What, what a change there would, there would be. Understand, God is our father. Christ is our brother. And the Holy Spirit gives us life that, that we can be adopted into the family of God. It is our God who is three in one, that relational connection that we share with him and with one another. We sing, we used to sing. The church where I was saved, we would sing this every Sunday. And when Living Hope was founded, they would sing this every Sunday. You will notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family and these folks are so near. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoice in each victory in the family so dear. From the door of an orphanage to the house of the king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, from the weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God, I belong. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel the sod, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. 
We are a family. And I was so grateful this morning to hear from one of our senior saints uh, thanking and bragging on one of our deacons who had been so faithful in this last year to go and care for and connect with those who were, who were in need. Uh, hearing stories of small groups of people caring for one another. Uh, families opened up their homes and said, hey, we can gather here. Let's go get in our front yard. Let's take care of each other. Let's look out for one another. This week, our family uh, was hit with a with joy and, and sorrow, the, the joy of, of a son graduating and seeing him now move on and, and then a family scare, uh, I'm sorry, a health scare. And you know, one of the things, the first things I did was I contacted the men in my small group, whether we were rejoicing or whether we were, we were afraid. We contacted, I contacted those men and I said, brothers, pray. And you know, within minutes, responses, we're praying. What do you need? How can we help? What, 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 do you want me to go with you? What's going on? How, what's your plan? You know, right there, ready to go. Friends, our church is a large church, but it should never feel large long. You need to be in a small group. You need to be in a connect group. You need to be serving with other believers. You need to have these relationships so that the moment something good happens, you have people to text. The moment you need prayer, you have people to text and they are immediately responding to you saying, what do you need? How can we help? That's what a family does. Second metaphor is this, is the church. And and I I know we kind of see that. Living Hope is the church. eh? And it's important to understand this word ecclesia, called out. It's a called out nation of the living God. This is a governmental metaphor. We are, we are members of the kingdom of God, and that's our theme for 2022. I'm almost done with next year's sermons as we're, we're going to be looking at what, what is the kingdom of God and what is our place in the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at that theme throughout the entirety of the scripture, and I can't wait to get there. But we are citizens, and as citizens, we have a unique role. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we read, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are responsible to present our king's message. We are ambassadors. And our king has has given us his letter. He's given us his word. The word of God is a single story in four parts. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. And we are to present this truth to the world. No matter what they may think about it, how they love it or dislike it, it's not our responsibility. People's emotional response to the truth is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to speak the truth in love, to share the truth with confidence, knowing that the Lord is at work through his word. The the last metaphor here is, and what living hope is, is the pillar and buttress This is an architectural metaphor. The pillar, that's how you would display something on a building. The buttress, that's the the part that protects, makes strong. In Jude 3, it says, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We have a responsibility to contend. That that doesn't mean that we're cantankerous. What it means is, is that we're willing to speak the truth in love. And when someone says, I don't agree with that, we can ask the question lovingly, why? Tell me what you believe. What is the foundation that you're standing on? Why do you believe that we are here? Because everyone's answering four fundamental questions all the time. They're always answering these questions. Who am I? What went wrong? Who can fix it? Is there any reason to have hope? Who am I? You are a human being made in the image of God. What went wrong? 
Sin, you sin, we sin. Who can fix it? Jesus Christ, the one who came to rescue us. Is there any reason to have hope? For those of us who believe, especially, yes, this world's not our home. Christ is coming back, new heaven, new earth. We have every reason to have hope. And so how do we answer those questions as Christians? Where are we from? Creation. The story answers these four fundamental questions. Who can fix it? Jesus, the rescue. (laughs) You know, how am I to to get up every day and get going? Look, we have hope. The Lord is with us always to the very end of the age. And so as we think it through, who am I? I'm made in the image of God. What went wrong? The fall. Who can fix it? Jesus. Is Is there any reason to have hope? Yes, Christ is coming back. The Bible speaks to this truth, and we have a responsibility as ambassadors to contend for the faith. 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, not with your finger pointed out, but with your hands open, saying, how can I share? How can I share my hope? How can I, how can I share what, what God is doing? God God has saved us and he's transformed us to serve his purpose. And we do that by living out the disciples' life. When when you join the church, we we show this to you. We've been showing this to you for seven years now. It's, it's, It's a simple way of understanding who we are as a church family. And who are we? We're a people who gather for worship. We're a people who who equip for growth. We're a people who connect in groups. We're a people who serve the church and world. And we are a people who make more disciples every day. That is who we are. That is who Christ has died for us to be. That's who the Holy Spirit empowers us to be. We we are the people of God. And we have a responsibility to live out our identity. Third, the truth is, the truth is, the church is living in Christ The church is living in Christ by the gospel. Verse 16 is a is a song. It's it's interesting. When you when you look at the at the hyphenated versions there in your Bible, uh, you may wonder why that is. It's not a psalm. It's a song, though. And it it, it's funny, when you read the commentators, there's some that get frustrated. This is out of order. You know, it, it doesn't, it, go, it starts here, it comes back to this part. It doesn't, it doesn't, that's what songs do. They start at one part and then they bring in another and, they, and it flows back up. This was a song in the early church. I, I'm quite certain, just as I quoted uh, the family of God song, that what, what Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to do here with Timothy was to, was to quote a part of a song that was familiar to the people that they were singing. And this speaks to the gospel of God. This is our great and only hope. Jesus is the savior of the world. And look, look who he is. is. Look, look, look at what he's done. He, he has been manifested in the flesh. What does that mean? That means that, that at conception, birth, life, death, and resurrection, God became flesh. God became one of us. He was manifested in the flesh. He was vindicated in the spirit. When? Well, when, when he was born... Because the Holy Spirit came upon Mary just as the angel said he would, vindicated at his baptism because the Holy Spirit there was present as the Father was saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased and the Holy Spirit descended and there we see the Trinity, God, 
three in one, present, magnifying this, this glorious gospel at Pentecost. And we'll celebrate that next Sunday. Do not miss next Sunday. You know, one of the mistakes we've made is in, in some Protestant churches is, is we've not made a big enough deal about Pentecost Sunday. Christmas we get, Easter we get, Pentecost Sunday, ah. Eh. Friends, you know, we, we, we need to make a bigger deal about this. And so next Sunday, you need to be here to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit as we read about it in Acts chapter 2. Jesus manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels before and after his coming. The angels knew the Son before he was born. The angels saw him and they came and they ministered to him in times of need. When he was in the desert, after he defeated the devil in all of his schemes, who came to minister to him? The angels. Jesus said boldly and honestly, hey, I'm not worried about what you can do to me. If I wanted to, I could call down a legion of angels and take you people out right now. They saw him raised. They saw him raised and they see him now at the right hand of God. He has been seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations. And this is happening now. We need to get better. We need to get better because we have, we have those who are going overseas. And as they go to places where the gospel has not been yet made manifest, they're finding people with cell phones and Coca-Cola. Now, how in the world did a cell phone and Coca-Cola technology get there before us? It is. It is. But the name is going into the nations and we must be more faithful. Believed on in the world and we're examples of this. One of the things I love about Living Hope is in order to join the church, you have to, you have to fill out a testimony form. And I love to read those stories. And every, every third Monday when the elders get together, we always have new testimonies to have read. Stories of the redemption of God. And we are all those who've believed in the world. And we know he's been taken up in glory. He's ascended. He will soon return. Friends, this is the gospel. And this is our hope. And because Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin and has been raised, he now lives in us. Galatians 2.20 is true of us. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I I now live, I I live in the flesh. I, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life of the redeemed is the life of power over sin and death. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The living Christ always intercedes for his people. He's interceding for us on behalf of us, to the Father, to the Father, on behalf of us, so that as we pray and as we go into the world, we know that God is with us. He's changed us. He's changing us. He has the power to change others. There was a house mother who said the children are dressed and ready for school, but there is no food for them to eat. She told this to the headmaster, and so the headmaster said, Have all the children gather in the cafeteria. 300 children gathered around empty tables and the headmaster prayed. He he prayed a prayer of thanksgiving for the food that God would provide. And they waited. And a few moments later, there was a knock at the door. 
the headmaster went to the door and there was a baker. And the baker said, sir, I was not able to sleep at all last night. The Lord had me awakened and so I just went to the shop and I just baked a bunch of bread and I sensed that I was supposed to bring it here to you today. Is it okay with you if I distribute bread to the children? Well, of course. As they were distributing the bread, they, they, they heard something of a crash and a milkman came in. He said, headmaster, I just wrecked my truck. All this milk is going to spoil. Can I just give it to you all? Can, can you just have the children drink all this milk so it's not wasted? Headmaster said, well, that would just be an answer to prayer, wouldn't it? Who was this headmaster? Well, as a, as a young person, he was a thief that was arrested. As a young adult, he was a, a scholar who made it who made it his personal ambition to embarrass Christians and to undermine the authority of the teaching of the scriptures. As he was entering into a, a life of depravity, God met him, brought him under deep conviction, and he was saved. And George Mueller became one of the great leaders of prayer work in the world. The man never asked another person for anything, he asked God. And people showed up. Thousands of children were made Christians, made disciples through his ministry of prayer. If you asked him what he did, he would say, I don't know, I just pray. Well, well what's your job description? I, I, I just pray. H how did you do all this? I just prayed. How does a thief and a scoundrel become a prayer warrior. The gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel can do. Is the gospel doing that work in you? And as one who has experienced the power of the gospel, are you being the church? Are you gathering for worship? Are you equipping for growth? Are you connecting in a group? Are you serving the church and world? Are you making more disciples? Are you faithful to care for others and to pray? To have hard conversations and fun conversations? Are you committed no matter what? A consumerism has taken, has taken over much of the attitude of the church today. And there are many who say, well, I, I don't really like this. And I don't really care for that. And I'm, gonna, I'm not really excited about it. So I think I'm going to go and, and I'm going to, literally, I hear this word, I'm going to go shopping for a church. No. You're called by grace through faith in Christ alone. And you're empowered by the Spirit of God to unite with a local family where you are to be faithful. Friends, you cannot be a thriving person if you're not leaning in to the Lord, if you're not walking with his people. Some of you need to be saved. Some of you need to commit to be the church. Let's pray. Father God, I pray first for those who need to be saved. Lord, I am so grateful that you can take the George Muellers and the Jason Pettises of the world who are miserable men but are made righteous by faith in Christ alone. And Lord, I know that there are some who are here today 
who are lost and they are, they're in danger of your wrath. And I pray that right now they would repent, turn from sin, that they would believe that you, Lord Jesus, have died to pay the penalty for their sin, that they would receive your life into their life and that they would now live for you, that they would be baptized, they would join this church and they would be faithful to you. I pray they'll do that right now. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, many here who are faithful. Bless them, God, as they seek to give you glory in all that they are, with all that they have, and all that they do. For those, Lord, that are maybe struggling in some aspect of faithfulness, I pray that you would encourage them, challenge them, enable them to say, yes, yes, God, I, I will be faithful. I will, I will take the responsibility and I will be a part of the church as you've commanded us to be. Would you pray for that right now? Would you ask the Lord if you're being faithful? Would you invite correction? And would you commit to faithfulness? Father, there is no perfect church, not yet. When you return, Lord Jesus, you will make all things new and all things right. Until then, we will struggle, but you are with us. You're in our midst. And not only can we be your church, we can trust you to provide for our needs. And Lord, there are many needs in our faith family today. Some who are dealing with sickness, some who are dealing with with hurt and heartache. Lord, all with a responsibility to live on mission, to share the hope that we have. And we need your your strength. We need need you, God, to guide. We, We need you to give us what we need. And we all need something unique and you know what it is. And so would you, Lord, right now meet with us? Would you right now ask God to provide for the need that you know of in your life and the life of one other member of this church that's not in your family? And if you don't know of another need of a person outside of your blood kin, that should tell you something about what you're missing out on. We need you, Lord, and we're so grateful that you're a giving and good God. And we ask you, Lord, to be pleased with with who we are and what we're becoming. Holy Spirit, as we celebrate you next week and and as we make preparations even this week, we ask that you would endear our hearts to you and be endeared to us that we, we would be this church. We ask you, God, to do this for your glory. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.